Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalists. Thanks for joining. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Raising Eco-Minimalists podcast. Today, I am talking about one of my favorite topics, gardening, but not just gardening. I'm going to be sharing my tips, seven of them to be exact, on how to garden with kids, because I get it. You've spent a lot of time planning, organizing, doing the work to create a wonderful vegetable or fruit garden, or maybe you're working really hard to turn your landscape into a pollinator haven, only to have a very well-meaning but destructive little human destroy all that work. I've been there before. So these tips are going to help avoid that for you and also help your kid or kids get involved in the important activity that is gardening. So first, let's talk about the benefits. For adults, we know that gardening is a fantastic way to manage our physical and mental health. And that is certainly true for kids as well. But it also expands into some other things. According to a health organization from Canada, these things are also what kids can learn from gardening. Number one, responsibility. They can learn how to care for plants, they learn how to care for the soil, and also the importance of having a healthy ecosystem in their own backyard. Two, they learn about cause and effect. So if you don't water or provide the proper nutrients for your plant, it's going to die, right? They can learn. They learn self-confidence. Growing your own food is so exciting, right? I, if you've done it before, you probably know how exciting it is, and it's no different for our kids. And finally, there are more, but one of the biggest benefits for me is that it establishes this connection to nature, and that is incredibly important. You'll find out in episode four with Jess Purcell how important that is. Establishing a connection to nature for kids is not only beneficial for their development, but it also is a great way to get them involved in the important tasks of fighting the climate crisis and also building community. Two things of which this podcast talks about. Okay, so how do we get them involved? My number one tip, and if there's anything about this episode that you retain, please let it be this tip. Give them their own space. Give them their own space. I don't care if you are gardening on a small condo patio like I used to do, and you can only fit five containers. Give your kids one container. If you have a raised bed, carve out a corner for them to do whatever they want with. This is their space. They can grow whatever they want. They can dig in it if they want. They can make mud piles if they want. They can look for bugs if they want. Whatever it is, that is their spot. This is incredibly important because not only does it keep them out of your space, because if they start walking in your garden, which has happened multiple times to me, you can redirect them to their own space. 
but it also gives them the freedom and excitement to really start learning about gardening, right? So my son, he will plant seeds when I do in the spring, but if they make it to fall or whenever harvest time is, it's a miracle because he's mostly dug them up at that point and it's mainly used for looking for worms, millipedes, the little roly-poly bugs, etc., but that's okay because it's his space to do what he wants and he gets so excited about whatever it is he's doing that day. Number two, let them pick out one or two seeds or seedlings that sound fun to them that they want to grow. So usually I start most of my things by seed. And so when the seed catalogs come in early February or so, I will sit through and read off some ones that I think sound cool to my son. One of my favorite examples was a new carrot seed we found last year called Purple Dragon Carrots. He was a four-year-old at the time and Purple Dragon Carrots sounded freaking awesome. So I got them, we grew them, and they were were super fun. They're purple, obviously, uh, and it was just a really fun experience. And he was so excited about planting them, harvesting them, and even eating them. Another thing that he is super excited about is watermelon. Watermelon, turns out, is one of the things that I can't grow. So that's kind of (laughs) a problem. But he is so excited about watermelon, so we start the seed together. Again, just having that connection to something that sounds fun and cool makes the process a whole lot more exciting and it keeps their attention a lot longer. So that is tip number two. Number three, invite them to help with garden tasks, weeding, digging, planting, watering, whatever it may be that you're doing, see if they want to help. If they don't, no problem. Don't force it, but always have the invitation out there. Most of the time, to be honest, my son's not super interested or he'll help for about three minutes and then be done. I just want to keep the invitation open to show that this is a family project if he wants it to be. And it's also a great way that I can teach him some of these gardening skills that while he may not be super into it right now, may come out at a later time. Number four, talk about growing your own food and why. Talk about how the average produce item travels 1,500 miles from farm to plate. Talk about the emissions that that releases. Talk about all the resources that go into growing, harvesting, transporting that food, right? When you garden, you can see how much work it is. You can see all the unseen mental anguish and stress that it can cause about the weather, about pests, what have you. Talk about those. Of course, if your kid is three, do it in an age-appropriate way. But gardening opens up a door that you can easily start having these conversations. You can also talk about soil health. This year, we've seen already a toad and a frog, which is really, really early. And those two amphibians are signs of a healthy ecosystem. So we have started talking about all the work that we've done in our yard to make sure that we are building a healthy ecosystem and those frog that frog and that toad are a sign that are we're doing is work you can also talk about limiting pesticide use and why your neighbor's out putting fertilizer down spraying for dandelions meanwhile your yard is full of dandelions and other other species that don't look like grass 
you can talk about why. And don't shame people for doing what they're doing. Instead, just say something like, in our family, we do it this way, and here's why. See that butterfly that just landed on this flower? We care about certain pesticides or sprays or chemicals can actually kill those, and we appreciate the work that the butterfly is doing and helping to pollinate our food. Something like that. Which leads me into the next side one, which is the importance of pollinators. Talk about bees. Learn to identify them. Same with butterflies and moths and, if you're lucky, hummingbirds. Talk about how there's more than one pollinator besides butterflies. Beetles, ladybugs, ants. Those are all examples of pollinators that are just as important but are very often ignored and something that people are scared of. You don't have to know all the answers. If you don't know an answer, look it up. Go to your library and check out an insect ID book. Check out an app like iNaturalist. Or there's also great naturalist and ID groups on Facebook that can be really fun to join. Number five, encourage harvesting. This is where my (laughs) patience and stress level need some work. But I have never discouraged my son from helping to harvest. Yes, that means I'll often get green tomatoes. But he is so excited and so proud because, again, he's been involved in the process. Even if he's not actively worked on, say, planting tomatoes, mulching tomatoes, watering tomatoes, he is outside with me while I'm doing it. He is involved in his own way. So when it's time for those tomatoes to be harvested, he gets super excited and he'll just want to harvest all of them. It's also a great time to teach about not picking fruit or vegetables before they're ripe. And yes, he does understand, but I think the excitement gets to him (laughs) in some cases beforehand. I try not to stress about it because I want him to have that excitement. Bonus, every single fruit or vegetable that he has harvested, he has tried at least once. A lot of the ones he doesn't like, which is fine, but... I can't think of a fruit or vegetable that he has harvested from our garden that he has not at least tried. So that's a great bonus. So encourage them to help harvest and just go in knowing that you're probably going to get some unripe stuff picked for you and you probably also have some of your plants damaged. But the benefits greatly outweigh those few damaged pieces. Number six. After the harvest, invite them to help cook and preserve food. So this is a great time to introduce or continue the conversation on food waste. Oftentimes when we grow things, we will have an abundance of them. Tomatoes, zucchini, herbs are just a few examples. Ask your kids to help dry herbs. Ask them to help make salsa or spaghetti sauce. Ask them to help can or pickle radishes, for example. It's a great way to talk about different food preservation types and also how we can avoid food waste. Additionally, this also kind of merges into tip number seven, which is use gardening as a way to connect with community. So if you have an abundance of food, say you do, you know, freeze, cook, or preserve some of them, but you still have an abundance of items. This is a great opportunity to head over to your neighbor's house and see if they want any extra produce. Or 
put a table on your corner, put the produce on and put a sign up for free produce and watch as people come and, and get, get some fresh food. Gardening can also be a great way to teach kids how to save seeds, which helps them build resiliency and also be self-sufficient. It's also a great time to share some of those seeds with the community. I put up a seed library last year, and it has been so fun to watch the people come up to our seed library with my son. He loves to go check it to see what new seeds have or how many seeds people have taken. And it's also a fun way to talk about why we do this, why we want to connect with the community in this manner. And the truth is, in our community, there are food deserts just a couple of miles away from us, you know, and especially during the pandemic, when a lot of people weren't able to leave their house, growing food was a fantastic way that they could safely have access to fresh produce. So this was all things that we were able to talk about in terms of building community with gardening. Gardening is also a great way to establish a community by borrowing or lending tools. If you need a certain item, but you don't want to buy it, see if your neighbor has one. Gardening is also a great way to connect with neighbors and share tips and resources. One of my neighbors is a very avid gardener as well, and we've swapped seeds, we've sought tips, we've asked about different growing conditions. The possibilities are endless. If you don't have a direct community, Facebook has a lot of local gardening groups and can also be a really great way to connect with your local community and other gardeners. Additionally, Nextdoor is also a great resource for that as well. And side note, so to quickly recap, seven ways to get kids involved with gardening. One, give them their own space or plot or pot to explore. Number two, let them pick out their own seeds and seedlings that sound fun and cool. Number three, invite them to help dig, plant, water, weed, or any other gardening task, but don't force. Four, have conversations around why it's important to grow our own food. You can talk about soil health, why we limit pesticide and herbicide use, the importance of pollinators, etc. Number five, Invite them to help harvest, even if that means you're going to get unripe produce or damaged plants. Number six, invite them to help cook, preserve, or distribute excess produce. Again, this is a great time to talk about food waste and why we want to avoid it. Number seven, use gardening as a way to connect with community. You can do this through sharing seeds, lending or borrowing tools, sharing tips, distributing excess produce and seeds. Now, if you're interested in learning more about how to get kids connected with their own community, I have a special bonus members-only podcast episode all about that topic via the podcast membership. I will link to how you can become a member in the bio. You will have access not only to that bonus episode, but all the other bonus episodes that come out every other week, as well as free ebooks, discount classes, and a lot more. Okay, that wraps up my tips on how to garden with kids. I hope you found some useful nuggets in there, and I'd love to hear some tips that you do on your own on how to get kids involved and excited about gardening. You can share that on social media. You can send me an email. I'd love to hear anything that you may have. You can also share your tips or ask questions in the 
Raising Eco Minimalists Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes. I hope you have a great day and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time, bye.